Hey, this is Aaron from Simply Disciples. We have covered some pretty in-depth theological concepts in season two, and we would love for you, the listener, to have the opportunity to ask any question you have that might help you gain clarity on some of the theological issues we discuss in this podcast. And your question doesn't have to be directly related to season two, but can also include any question you might have from season one as well. We will then do a bonus episode at the end of season two, where we will spend some time answering your questions. You can submit your questions to deercreekchurch.com slash simplydisciples, or you can email us directly at simplydisciples at deercreekchurch.com. Or even better, you can just call Daniel directly on his personal cell phone at 720. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you for tuning in to Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help Deer Creek Church think and act faithfully in a changing world. Today on Simply Disciples, we're continuing our conversation from last time on covenants. Mike Horton, he's a professor of theology at Westminster Seminary, California. He wrote, quote, anyone who's employed or has a mortgage, credit card, or car is familiar with contracts and the blessings and curses that they impose. Not all legal agreements are the same, of course. A contract differs significantly, significantly from a will and testament which can make up a beneficiary of someone else's estate. You benefit not by a work-for-hire arrangement or a payment program, but by a gift. Similarly, there are different kinds of covenants in the Bible. In Scripture, there are two overarching covenants. The first is a covenant of works, and the second is a covenant of grace. In the covenant of works, Adam was made the representative head of the human race. As God's image bearer and special creation, Adam was promised the right to inherit everlasting blessing— the tree of life, for himself and his posterity if they fulfilled the commands of God. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and was threatened with death for treason. On that day, you eat of it, you will surely die. Just as a king in the federal head of his kingdom, Adam was like the federal head of the whole human race. And when he broke this covenant, we fell with him under the curse of guilt, corruption, and death. That's the first covenant we see in scripture, the covenant of works, a covenant where Adam does his part, God responds based on Adam's success or failure. The covenant of grace is completely different. After Adam's fall into sin, God established a covenant of grace, no longer on the basis of law, but of promise. No longer on the basis of works, but grace. Unlike the original covenant with Adam, in the covenant of grace, God makes all the promises, says he will fulfill all the works, and he will take all the punishment we deserve. It is a covenant that is based on a better Adam, Jesus, it is a covenant based not on our success, but on the success of Jesus, our new mediator. That is the covenant of grace. And joining me today as we dive deeper into this topic, the covenant of grace, I'm joined by Aaron Ellis and Chad Donahoe. My name's Daniel Nealon. Guys, last time we talked a lot about the covenant of works that uh, God made with Adam and his posterity, all of his descendants, right? And we saw that uh, where scripture talked about the covenant of works and we talked about how Adam failed to keep that covenant. Now we're talking about the covenant of grace. So briefly describe the covenant of grace. So last time we talked about the Westminster Confession and used that as, as um, a good example of uh, setting us a good um, 
definition here, but uh, so just as a reminder, um, chapter 7.2 says, The first covenant made with man was a covenant of works in which life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. And then Daniel was so eager to answer the question last time of whether Adam actually kept no. that. No. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Good job. Okay. Um, and then um, number point three, it says, since man by his fall made himself incapable of life by that covenant, the Lord was then pleased to make a second covenant commonly called the covenant of grace. In it, God freely offers life and salvation by Jesus Christ to sinners, requiring of them faith in him that they may be saved and promising to give his Holy Spirit to all those who who are ordained to eternal life to make them willing and able to believe, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's a gift yeah, given that's to great. us. And it's so helpful just to continue to understand the contrast between the two covenants, right? And with both covenants, we said there are four elements, you could say. There were parties involved, conditions stated, penalties based on uh, obedience or disobedience, and then promises. So again, to work through those, uh, with the covenant of works, there were two parties, God and Adam, and then from Adam, all of his descendants— There were conditions, Adam's perfect obedience to God's law. Adam was required to do something in order to maintain this relationship and covenant with God. And God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the condition. But then the third element, penalties, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Physical, spiritual, eternal death. Those were the penalties for disobedience. And God had said, on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And the fourth element were the promises, right? If you don't eat, you will live. You will have physical, spiritual, and eternal life. But contrast this with the covenant of grace. Again, there's two parties, God and his people, those whom he chooses to be in covenant with him by his grace. There are There's a new condition, right? Faith in Jesus, our Savior, is the condition. And now there are, as far as penalties go, no penalties. You cannot break this covenant because God fulfilled it for us in Christ. And then as far as the promise goes, there's a great promise, salvation and and eternal life. Mm -hmm. So the covenant of grace is God's covenant where he saves undeserving sinners through faith by his son Jesus. In the covenant of works, it was Adam. You do this and you earn your way by obedience. But in the covenant of grace, to contrast that, it was, believe in my son Jesus who earned your way by his obedience and died the death you deserved for your disobedience. Yeah, man, so so good. Yeah, well, we asked this last time, uh, where do you see the covenant of grace in Scripture? Yeah, well, you see it the first time. Uh, it's promised in seed form, not fully fleshed out, but in seed form in Genesis 3.15. So God is cursing Satan and... In the midst of that curse, he actually extends a promise. He says that one day he's going to send a new descendant from Eve, an offspring. This will be a new human who will come, and he is going to crush the serpent's head. He's going to crush the power and work of Satan. So then immediately after that promise, you see God makes a sacrifice for the sin of Adam and Eve and covers them by that sacrifice. It says he made clothing for them. Well, that's because God sacrificed an animal paid for their sins, 
And this is in this picture, Genesis 3.15, in this story of sacrifice, it's the first seed form promise of grace in the Bible. Yeah, I, I love how, you know, that imagery of seed form can, coming to fruition, right? It's a good way of describing it. It's a seed promise because the whole Bible shows the growth of that promise of grace into the full form of grace evident in Jesus, who is the mm -hmm. mediator of the covenant of grace. Well, yeah. I'd like to, to stay on track with that because uh, um, if Genesis 3.15 is the seed of the covenant of grace that is promised, let's, let's walk through how the covenant of grace develops and, and then grows or comes into fuller picture throughout the entire Bible. Yeah. Well, the first time we see this develop, at least in pretty uh, much clearer or greater detail, is in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, in Genesis 15, uh, God comes to Abraham in a vision, and he says, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield and your reward. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham is saying, Hey, God, well, you promised me that I'm going to have an offspring, but you haven't given me any offspring. It looks like my inherit the person who's going to receive all my inheritance, it's going to be my slave, whose name is Eliezer of Damascus. Um, you've given me no offspring, so what am I supposed to do with this? And God said, no, 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 hold on. Your own son will be your heir. He is going to come, so don't worry about that. And then he said to them uh, these promises. God says, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said... This is Abraham now. Oh, Lord God, how do I know I'm going to possess it? And he said to him, bring to me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, Adam drove them away. Here's what's happening here. This, is a, this would have been noticeable as a covenant ceremony. What Ad, uh, Abraham is doing is he's taking all of these animals, cutting them in half, right? Slaughtering these animals, laying them opposite one another. And what he's about to do is in this covenant ceremony, what would usually happen in a covenant is one party of the covenant would read the terms or the conditions of the covenant and say, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. Then the other party would walk through the pieces. The lesser party. The lesser party would walk through the pieces, in essence, saying, okay, if I don't keep all those conditions, I'm going to become like these animals. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be severed in half and punished. Then the story continues. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell on him. And the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and your ancestors will come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Ammonites is not complete. Then it goes on. The sun as it was going down was dark and behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I give you all these promises. Here's what's happening here. Covenant ceremony, split pieces. You expect Adam or Abraham to walk through. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. A smoking fire pot, a smoking pot, and a pillar of fire goes through the pieces. Yeah. This is an image of God. Mm -hmm. God, when he led people through the wilderness after uh, the Exodus, he revealed himself in this cloud that looks like smoke. 
and a fiery pillar by night. Mm -hmm. This is God walking through the pieces in essence saying, hey, I'm making you this promise. I'm going to fulfill all these promises and I'm going to take all the penalties. Completely flipping the order around. Exactly. So now the greater party is the one passing through the animal halves and saying, if I'm not faithful to my covenant, let me be like these animal halves. Yep. And the, the main essence of that promise that God gave to Abraham was, I'm going to send an offspring who will bless the nations. He will bring righteousness where there's curse. So that always, that imagery always struck me. Just the graphic nat uh, nature of just the pieces cut apart. Like, mm -hmm. and then you realize how graphic it is what Jesus went through. Yeah, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, um, at the cross. Yeah. So not only do we see covenant there, there's uh, the next clear place we see the covenant of grace is. And God's covenant with David. This is in 2 Samuel 7. I'm talking about King David, you know, wrote most of the Psalms, mm -hmm. king over Israel. But in 2 Samuel 7, I'm just going to skim some of the language here because you'll hear some of these covenant promises. It says, I will make for you a great name, and I will appoint a place for my people. I will give you rest. It says, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Says, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come that or who shall come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Yeah. And then your throne shall be established forever. So what are the some of the prom covenant promises we see here, right? I will build you a house. I will build you a people. You will be an eternal king. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So to yeah. summarize. In Genesis 3.15, God made a promise to send a seed from Eve who would destroy the work of Satan and reverse the curse of sin, right? Yep, so in Genesis chapter promise. 15, um, my life verse there, God made a promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, that's well, weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird. Animal halves? Okay. Yeah. What? God made a promise to bring in there. He, he made a promise to bring blessing. A land and righteousness through Abraham's family. Through another seed. Uh-huh. Another, yeah, another seed. Another seed. Yep. Yep. Another offspring. Yep. So in and then in Second Samuel chapter seven, the Chad just wrote, read, God promises to bring a king from the line of David who will make him a new family, and this king will rule over his people forever, eternally. And uh, and he never says this is conditioned on our or uh, on our obedience or our works. That's not mentioned in any one of these promises. Mm, yeah. It is just unilateral. Yep, it's unilateral. It's just strictly um, promises, and it promises, and it's given by grace. And right. Can I just say so? This term referred to as the covenant formula throughout the scriptures. It's repeated: "I will be your God, and you will be my people." Yeah, and the right. idea there is. You will be my people because I will make sure you are my people. That's right. Yeah. I right. will see it I will through. do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, you see this throughout the Bible. God's dealing with people according to his promise of grace through this coming seed and this coming king. God's going to create this new, new humanity that's better than the humanity from Adam through this Messiah, through this Messiah who would come through Abraham and David, who's the descendant of Eve, and those who have faith in God's promises are saved by this grace through faith in this coming Messiah. It's, it's a great story. Yeah, and we, we see this come into its fulfillment in, as the gospel opens, the gospel of Matthew opens, New Testament, right? The, uh, Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Wow, so we mic see, drop. My, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. We see that, yeah, through Jesus. God will fulfill his promise to Abraham through Jesus. God will fulfill his promises to David. 
Mm-hmm. It's through faith in Jesus. So we're blessed. We're given the righteousness of Christ. We're in the kingdom of God ruled by Jesus and giving eternal life under his work. Man, yeah. How about, okay, let me ask this question, Chad. I'm um, ask this to you. All right. What about the covenant with Moses? Because that's a big covenant in Scripture. How does that covenant fit in? Well, let me just quote Michael Horton here. I already did that at the beginning. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. he can make a comeback. I'm going to say, okay, all right, come back um, in here, Mike he, Horton. He's yes. good on this subject. <laughs> the, uh, while the gracious covenant continues, at Sinai, God also makes a covenant with Israel as a nation. Individual Israelites are still justified by grace through faith in the coming Messiah, but the nation's status in the land is temporal and conditional. At Sinai, God made no promises, but as the suzerain who had liberated Israel from Egypt, he simply delivered the terms and sanctions, blessing, long life in the land, and curse, being cut off from the land, sent off into exile. Israel accepted the term, saying, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Mm. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, from Exodus 24, verses 7 and 8. The blessing or cursing of the nation depended on Israel's faithfulness. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. This is Hosea 6, 7. Talked about that, yep. As God's attorneys, the prophets brought God's case against the people for violating this national covenant. Whereas God passed through the pieces to secure the Abrahamic covenant of grace, he delivered a different message and said that he would make Israel pass through the pieces and bear its temporal judgment through exile. Yeah, so that's that's good. The Mosaic covenant is essentially then... You see both elements. You could call it a mixed covenant. You could say it's a covenant of grace for sure, but there's also elements of the covenant of works in here, and it's not just promise and blessing. So there are curses attached to this as well. And maybe the best way to say this is the Mosaic covenant is a covenant of grace. Yes. But you also see that in that covenant, God is like re-illustrating what he did with Adam, Mm -hmm. right? That... Mm -hmm. The people, if they disobeyed, there were real curses. They could really be exiled, yeah. not cut off from God's grace, yes. but he's illustrating in this the covenant of works for sure. Correct. And then they were. Yeah. And they then they were, were they were exiled. Yep. Yep. And uh, But you do see grace through the covenant. You see it in the, in the establishment of the priesthood, the temple, the Passover lamb, right? The Passover mm-hmm. lamb pointing forward to... Jesus, the Jesus, Passover lamb. The, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the sacrifices, the day of atonement. All of these are examples of grace and our need for forgiveness of our sin. They all symbolize and show forgiveness of sins by the blood of the lamb and the offering of God. They symbolize Jesus. So these, these parts of the Mosaic covenant are all examples of God's grace and free forgiveness. And at the same time, you see elements in the Mosaic Covenant of the Covenants of Works, yeah. uh, Covenant of Works. So um, uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 23 and then Deuteronomy 28 uh, yep. says, teaches that there's blessings for, dis- for, for obedience, blessings for obedience, and then curses for disobedience. Yep. So exile out of the land, like Adam and Eve, for disobedience. Another example is, uh, um, is Exodus 24. 
So all this we will do, right? Yeah, that's what we, the people said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all they this said, we'll do. We will yeah. be obedient. Um, if if we are not, blood be on our head. And that sounds identical to the covenant of works. So yes, the covenant is, you're correct, it is mixed. And like Horton said, um, while the gracious covenant continues at Mount Sinai, God also makes a covenant with Israel as a nation, yeah. right? So yep. individual Israelites are still justified by grace through faith in the coming Messiah, right? They're looking forward, okay? Mm-hmm. But the nation's status in the land is temporal and, and conditional. So at Sinai, God made no promises, but as the suzerain who had liberated Israel from Egypt, right, as the greater uh, party of the covenant, uh, he simply delivered the terms and sanctions, blessing, right, long life in the land, and mm-hmm. curse, being cut off from the land, sent off into exile. Um, Israel then accepted the terms, saying, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And so since we're talking a lot about uh, Michael Horton, I've heard him um, say to that response, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Guys, those are the most foolish words oh, of the Old yes, Testament, of are. all of Scripture. All yeah. of this we will do. Wow, what confidence they have. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so this can be this can be confusing. This is actually a major topic, but maybe just as a very clear summary, hopefully it's clear, Israel and the covenant with Moses was like a snapshot of both covenants, covenant of grace, covenant of works. It showed us the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, showed us that if you try and earn your way by works, you're going to be exiled. Mm-hmm. You're going to be exiled by the land. You're going to endure God's curse, and you'll receive judgment like Adam. But if you embrace the promise of faith and trust in the sacrifices of the Lamb offered by the great high priest on the Day of Atonement, you're going to be saved by His grace, by the sacrifice, and receive life. makes a lot of sense with what uh, Jesus says in Luke 22. Think Mm -hmm. about this scene. Jesus is doing in this scene a new covenant ceremony, a ceremony that is different from Exodus 24. Listen Mm -hmm. to these words. This is Luke 22, uh, verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, well, he goes on to talk about the one that will betray him and then goes on, um, for the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Yeah. All that to say, um, Jesus instituting this uh, this new covenant in his blood. New it's, ceremony, new covenantal right. ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not a covenant of works, right? It's a covenant of free grace. Here's my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Here's my blood shed for you. Unlike Moses, he didn't dash the blood on the people confirming, saying, all this we will do. You know, right. the disciples don't say that. Mm-hmm. He pledged an oath in his own blood. This mm-hmm. is what I'll do for you. Mm-hmm. He passed through the pieces. Yeah. He passed through the pieces split apart. Yep. Yeah, and the he beauty of it. became like those animals. Right. So mm-hmm. now there's no penalty of, yeah. or no possibility of us receiving that curse or judgment, which I think is so hard for us to yeah. wrap around yeah. our minds oh, yeah. and our hearts. Yeah, we we we're we're like hardwired to want to work for the stuff. Oh, we are, <laughs> but yeah, we and res- feel guilty when we, we fail, even though there's oh, therefore yeah. no now con- no condemnation for those who are in Christ uh-huh. Jesus, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, just to review uh, and close out here, Deer Creek, as followers of Jesus, we are members of the covenant of grace because of the covenant of grace. We're no longer in the covenant of works with Adam. 
and that covenant which was symbolized by Moses. We are not saved by our obedience, but by the obedience of Jesus, who is the better Adam, the mediator of the covenant of grace. We are not saved by our works, but through faith in Jesus, who completed all the works on our behalf. We're not saved by our efforts, but through the sacrifice of Jesus, who took all the curse, all the punishments, all the condemnation we deserve in his sacrifice on the cross. You're a member of the covenant of grace. So remember that. And thanks again for joining us on Simply Disciples. Be sure to join us again next week.